Hey there, Order Up Show podcast listeners. It's your host, uh, Tommy. How are you all doing today? I hope you're doing great. We have a first for the Order Up Pod Show podcast. Excuse me. Uh, we have a duo. So please welcome to the show, Brendan Shaw and Jeff Davis from Zito America. How you doing, guys? How are you, Tommy? How you doing, Tom? Great. Thank you. Ah, wonderful. Double, double the fun. Right. And both of you guys are from uh, Colorado where or have this been in Colorado or from Colorado. So that's kind of fun, too, as I live in Colorado. Um, so, guys, thanks for coming on the show today. Let me just tell you what the, how the, for, the format works here. I'm going to ask you guys five questions. You guys can take turns answering them. Um, I know you guys work together, so that's why I should announce that. They work together, the co-founders of a company together. So it's not weird that I just put two guests on here. And then, uh, and then uh, it's two random people. He's at Jack in the Box. He's at McDonald's. Talk. No, I'm <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, I asked you guys the same five questions and we just have a nice conversation. And, uh, and then I rehash the same stories over and over again to people listening. They have blood coming out of their ears. No, I'm kidding as well. So uh, question number one for you gentlemen is explain what you guys do today and then take us through your career progression and how you got there from your first job in the industry. Go. Sure. You want to take this, Jeff, or you want me to go? Um, you, you kick it off. Go for it. Sure. Zeno America is an environmental monitoring solution company. So in the restaurant food space, uh, we do environmental monitoring of temperature and energy and things of that sort. Jeff? And then how did you get, oh, God, sorry. Yeah, so um, how we got here is um, through association with the refrigeration company, we identified that there was a real need in the market to um, to automate uh, collecting data on the environment in a lot of applications. So in this case, it would be the food or food safety business, where we can monitor temperature of a walk-in cooler 24-7 and provide basically real-time information that helps the restaurant owner really understand food safety, uh, are they using energy efficiently, um, when should they do preventive maintenance? We can see all these things by just doing 24-7 monitoring. So that's kind of how we got into this space. Sure. And were you guys IoT guys prior to this? Yeah. I'm, were you restaurant I'm guys? I'm the IoT guy here. So I'm the IoT guy. It's all, it's all my fault. This is Jeff. <laughs> uh, and I've had a long-storied career in technology of various sorts. Um, and a lot of it was in this space because of an association with the refrigeration company that led us to Dunkin' Donuts, of all people. Oh, cool. So we were able to identify, you know, a, an opportunity in an industry that we thought we could really help. And we have multiple, you know, value propositions on our services that, you know, beneficially Looking at just temperature is, is a small piece, but the the benefits really uh, expand as you understand how to manage and operate your restaurant, et cetera. And Brendan, are you a restaurant guy or are you a tech guy too? I am not. I am actually from the finance private equity space. And I met Jeff who was expanding his company and 
way back when I was in uh, ice facility, so I understood refrigeration and temperature, etc. But uh, that was a long, long time ago. But no, I had no. My only experience in the restaurant space is I was a sandwich artist at Subway in 1993. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, cool. And so that's how you guys got here. Uh, I know that you guys do some unique things inside of the IoT space. So why don't you guys, as we're sort of going over your company and what you do, kind of elaborate on that because I think like the monitoring and some of that other things, I don't think a lot of other people offer. So you guys wouldn't mind chatting about that. Uh, sure. And, you know, IoT is an interesting market because you basically have the mechanism of deploying a bunch of sensors and a bunch of controllers and you can build connections between them sort of like lego blocks so in the iot space if there's a problem that can be solved by putting sensors and controls in place it's just a matter of finding the right collage of sensors and controllers knitting them together and uh, it turns out we're able to solve a number of problems uh, in a number of industries uh, using the same technology base. So it's, it's kind of a cool industry. So we do things, uh, I think we've got probably 20 different types of sensors deployed from water, CO2, light, uh, certainly temperature. Um, we, you know, control things in some applications like, uh, you know, we'll turn lights on and off, uh, uh, turn on HVAC equipment, heat or air conditioning based on a profile or control, uh, spit out reports that people need to get certifications uh, automatically. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what you can get by combining technology and information to solve real world problems. Well, and the thing that I'm really interested about is preventative maintenance, right? Because, you know, cooler failures don't have, I mean, I'm sure you guys would say, argue, I know we see them every day, but like cooler failures, like generally don't happen all the time. Right. And I know that when IOT kind of came into the space, that's what they were kind of going, Hey, it's always about these cooler failures. And in my mind, preventative maintenance is such more an important thing because the whole purpose of having IOT is to avoid a cooler failure, not to be alerted about it at four in the morning. Right. right? And so talk to me about preventative maintenance and how this stuff actually works towards that, because Ultimately, you want to get the guy out there at a normal business hour and you want to get him with one trip charge to make the maintenance happen versus getting nailed. And now you're paying thousands of bucks, you know what I mean? And you might have to toss everything in your walk-in. So, sure. So uh, the way a, a walk-in works is you've basically got a, a compressor and a coil system. So you've got basically two pumps and a couple of fans. Uh, so if you can measure the electrical current uh, and the temperature of those two pumps and uh, the temperature inside of the walk-in, it's amazing because you can definitely tell, is it running well? You can see before a motor goes if it's going to go. You can tell if the uh, uh, lubricant in the pump isn't right because it's going to warm up or cool down. And you can tell by looking at the temperature inside the walk-in if it's stable or erratic. So based on the signature of those things, you can really tell a lot about the health of the equipment that's in your walk-in and have a pretty good signature idea on when it's going to break. So I can usually tell you within a few days 
of when a pump is going to go. So that's amazing, right? So you could, by using a system like yours, alert somebody on, let's say, Monday that, hey, you're not obviously saying there's an exact time, but saying, hey, your, your walk-in is having problems. And, you know, based right. on these factors, you're having problems, you should get off your booty and call your repair guy and get him out here ASAP because we don't know when this is going to fail. But we're very, we're fairly certain from seeing 10,000 of these things happen that you're on that path to failure and you can avert it by just getting the guy out here. Sure. What we tell it's, the it's restaurant kinda, owners often is uh, uh, what would you rather do? Plan when you want us to be in or want to have the uh, HVAC guy in there to repair it? So he can be in there, you know, Tuesday night uh, after you close, or do you want the unit to go down during your busiest day of the week, right in the middle of the day? Uh, so, you know, if you do preventative uh, work, you can schedule it around your busy season and around your customers. Uh, otherwise, you're just waiting for it to happen. And you know how Murphy works. If your refrigerator, if your walk-in's going to die, it's going to go down on the busiest day of the year, right? Yeah, that's just the way it works. It, it's so it's sort of like i don't know if you remember that commercial it was about five to ten years ago when the repairman comes in to fix the elevator and they said the elevator's not broken and the repairman says what's well, it going to be it's 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 very proactive and and at what we are also doing is depending on the level of service we can actually engage your hvac company if something catastrophic were to happen or something proactive so it all depends on the relationship between us and the client and how they really want the our system to serve them and communicate for them. Sure, absolutely. I, I do have a question too. Talk to me about power savings, right? I have an enough because I just don't even know about this stuff. But let's say I have a like let's say my let's say that the coolant's really bad or the coils are bad, and so my my cooler's constantly heating up and cooling down. Like, what does that actually come to from a cost perspective? So it turns out that the, what we see that which translates into money going out the door is something that you wouldn't expect but most of the time when we see significant loss of money it's because somebody's leaving the door open <laughs> and yeah. and you can see it really quickly we had one guy who uh told us in their in their uh, restaurant he said oh geez that's happening on tuesday night that's when the head baker isn't there and you know what the junior baker did to cool down the room he propped open hey. the door to the walk-in freezer. Right. God bless. Or, or it's yeah, we're in, talking about five we're, bucks a minute. Right. We're, we're, we have one of our clients owns a sports bar, and we did our first two-week analysis of his business, and we were able to see that the dining room was running warm at night on Monday evenings, and we were able to go in and help them diagnose that the closing manager was propping open the door from the kitchen to the dining room, bringing all the heat, which was actually costing him money to cool the dining area at two in the morning. So major, major cost yeah. savings just by understanding the ecosystem of a restaurant. Right. So most of the savings in, ener in energy uh, that we find is usually due, due to people um, leaving doors open, changing the dynamic of the restaurant environment, much more so than the operating efficiency of the compressors and pump motors, by far. Oh, that's interesting. 
That's crazy. You know, and, and what you guys are talking about as obviously super close to like, uh, to what we do as well in a different version, like you're using sensor data and we're using human data in our platform, but it's, but we're giving the operator the same thing, which is unprecedented visibility into what's actually happening, not what's supposed to be happening, but what is actually happening. And by being able to identify those issues, whether it be this guy leaving the cooler door open or somebody else not tapping something correctly, you know, you can then, uh, you can identify the recurring issues in your business and then you can solve them. But if you don't know they're happening, you can't solve them. And then you just, then you don't understand why can we never get ahead? We're doing everything right, we think, because we have no visibility in anything. And then we find out later that, you know, people were wasting our money. And and I know it seems crazy. Oh, well, the guy left the door open for two hours. I don't, and what did you say that might cost? Like five or 10 bucks in electricity? Yep. Yeah, so that's like 10 bucks. But, that's 10 bucks of hard fought profit. And that 10 bucks might've been, you know, 24 quarters, you know what I mean? Or whatever that you actually made profit on that you just gave away because somebody wanted to cool down the kitchen for a few minutes and they just didn't have a, they didn't ask for a fan or just prop the door open or whatever else. It could have been. Well, so, on I, the I, food safety side, we were in a oh, chain yeah. restaurant that does sandwich type material. And, uh, they were having problems with their sandwich cases. And sure. what we found by monitoring it 24-7 is that on the food safety side, when they monitored the, or measured the temperature in their normal routine twice a day, early in the morning and the evening, they were totally missing that the, the refrigerated case was way out of spec most of the operating day. Right. Second part is it had one of those movable covers and depending upon what shift was in there working, if they didn't actually close it when they weren't making sandwiches, they were well above 40 degrees for hours in a row. Um, so the idea here is by getting real-time data 24-7, you can see not only efficiency, you can see how well your equipment's running, but you get an eye into food safety that you just don't get with sampling you know, two or three times a day uh, of temperatures. You just don't get it. So combining real-time monitoring with an effective food safety platform like you've got is a real good combo because now um, some of the uh, corporate uh, food safety managers love it because they can see how well they're performing at any time in any store without having to call somebody. Yeah, and that's and really you, the big thing is. And when you look at it, Tommy, the other thing is that a lot of times when you're temping, it's when you're not busy because you have time. Yep. You don't have you yeah. know pe people cooking, et cetera, but that's normally you're doing things at the most opportune time for temperature when it's the opposite. If you are temping when you're busy, you're going to see these spikes. So it's not a, a, a true read of what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Sure. And, and, you know, that's too, like why you'll see people where they have like drawers, like if, you know, you're in the rush and you're at a burger station, like, you know, that's why the guys will pack the burger drawer with ice because they know that they're opening it every eight seconds to pull a burger patty out. So they, you know, they're never going to, that refrigerator never has a chance to catch back up, but that, but at least you know that and you can take strategies to keep the food safe, right? Yeah. It gives you the information to be proactive about food safety. Yeah. And, 
and at the end of the day, all all of us are doing with these apps and these programs is trying to give you information so you can make right. better decisions and, and, and work around the realities of your situation, right? Like we know we're going to open the burger drawer, so let's not freak out about it. Let's just fix it so it's fine. Um, cool. Let's go to question number two, guys. What is the big project slash initiative that you're working on right now? Well, I think for us, the biggest thing is we're we're just trying to scale our brand and get more visibility and, and create more understanding. We have some different verticals and some different areas, you know, such as the uh, the dental space or water prevention, or we're getting a lot of interest in the cannabis space for you know just managing inventory. But that's that's our biggest thing is you know just scaling up effectively and growing our team, but getting more exposure to what we do and how we are helping our partners manage and operate their business more effectively. In the food yeah, space, funny. We're sort of looking at a lot of those too. In the Sorry. food space, our biggest challenge slash opportunity is building an effective bridge between uh, our monitoring solutions and the uh, food safety management solutions. Because if you can you know, take the people out of the equation for temperature um, yeah. and integrate it directly into the safety management system. Um, I think that's a paradigm shifting opportunity. Well, I would tag on to that, you know, that in the corporate restaurant space with the caveat that these solutions are relatively new, like, uh, you know, IOT really has gained ground in the last decade as well as solutions like ours, you know, a lot of it was driven by like tablets mm -hmm. and, and smartphones, right? And 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 inter and you know, sort of universal internet connectivity. Like it's hard for us to remember that, you know, because we live in a world where we're 100% connected all the time. That 10, 15 years ago, we weren't connected. That internet was a huge deal if you had it in a hotel room or whatever, right? But like the the thing is, is that the food industry because they've never had real time visibility. Uh, and I'm talking about the restaurants and the manufacturing space. Uh, they focused, they focused all of their energy because they didn't have the technology to do this stuff on the supply chain and training. That's where they put all their dollars and cents and all their time was, well, we can at least control the supply chain because it goes through a certain amount of factories and warehouses and, and also the FDA and the USDA are inspecting those. So we can focus on the food chain and then we can also focus on training people but then, and so that's, those attitudes have sort of prevailed through uh, time and they've been slow to change. And so, you know, it, I often feel like sometimes we're talking to some of these companies and they don't even want to know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because they look at it as, oh man, I'm going to get fired if I find out how bad things really are. And so uh, it, it is a paradigm shift to get these guys uh, in some cases to move to, hey, instead of being afraid of data, embracing data and figuring out what's really going on and, and becoming that hero. So I think it's a personality. We, we, see, we see exactly the same thing. We see the same yeah. thing. There are many folks, generally, they tend to be more mom and pops who they just yeah. don't want to know. As long as they're passing, they don't want to know. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are Absolutely. a good number, an increasing number of proactive uh, restaurant owners and operators out there that uh, see the light. In some places, like in Arizona, you get a special um, health department certification sticker if, you, if you've if you moved your 
uh, food safety management system to a proactive one. So they're starting to become some uh, governmentally driven or locally driven incentives to do it. Right. And oh, also, also like the, the, the larger restaurant ownership groups, if they have similar footprints of restaurants, it creates a lot more visibility and the ability to analyze whether it's energy usage or temperatures, et cetera, to compare best practices to say, why is something here different than something there? And sometimes it's external, whether it's the outside temperature, but if you're comparing something in the same city, you might have five different restaurants that are five different ways. And this gives you really clear visibility that helps you will also manage your operation more efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. And you know who I find that are like really great at stuff like that are the really big multi-unit franchisees because they, they really get, they just get it. They see the, the really big guys, I'm mean, like the 50, 60 unit guys. Those guys seem to really get what's going on. Um, they seem to be very professional. We've worked with a lot of them and they are, look, they, they get, Hey, I'm giving away, you know, whatever, seven or 8% of my sales to this franchise or to, you know, drive traffic. So they really start to look at getting efficient because they want to kind of maximize every penny that they're making out of those, those locations to kind of get back that 8% that's kind of coming off the top. Um, so what is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you guys up at night? You can go first, Jeff. <laughs> I sleep pretty good at night myself. <laughs> um, I would say the biggest thing that keeps me up at night is there still isn't much uh, order or structure or standard in the business uh, on the data side. So um, sure. uh, being able to adapt to different data structures, where you put it, how it's used, and security around it seems to be a very dynamic and constantly changing uh, piece of the business. Um, and someday, knock on wood, industries like food safety will probably adopt some standards and that will calm that down and enable another 20 minutes of sleep somewhere. <laughs> now, Brendan, what you're supposed to say is Jeff. Jeff's keeping me up at night. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. <laughs> he, he's out there constantly looking for better ways to become more efficient and add more value to our partners. So it's, uh, it's a fun partnership that we have because he's always looking at better, newer ideas to, you know, really enhance what we do. So it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. Well, and you know, I just stumbled upon this the other day. Uh, are, are you guys familiar with RTN Restaurant Technology Network? I am not. It's, uh, so it, it, it's they they run Murtech and a couple other things. You check them out, RTN. Mm -hmm. but they have started getting working groups together of the technology guys at the big chains, um, and and also the suppliers like us to come together and they are working on standards. Like they, they just define like a menu item standard. Um, and this was like Yum and Aspire Brands. And I think some, I can't remember the other one. Oh, CKE, like some of the big guys saying, hey, this is what a menu item is, right? Like this is the data structure of a menu item. So they are doing those kinds of things. Um, and the, what they're hoping is, is that because the big chains are getting involved and they're donating their time and there's some of their programming expertise to get in these working groups that, that 
that they will then go, hey, POS manufacturers in the case of this menu item, you have to adhere all the people who like, you know, because I didn't realize this menu item thing I thought was like so silly until I like listened to the call. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. But I didn't realize you got digital menu boards, you got online ordering portals, you got your register, you got your website, you have your delivery services. Like, so getting a menu item to a standard entity, uh, data entity was a big deal for them because now they can all keep it formatted one way and then you can make one change and it should cascade through all your ancillary systems. So they are doing stuff like that. So you should check them out. We're looking That's at good. them too. They're not cheap. So you have to kind of ask, hey, how much do I really want to spend on this? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, could I deploy that money better? For instance, a trip to Cancun. So, uh, you know, we have to look at that. But it's pretty cool. Um, so maybe look at those guys. Okay. Uh, what is the one thing that you thought the industry as a whole would be doing right now, but it isn't? Well, I think for us, it's it's really where we're at. We're always constantly surprised that people aren't as proactive as that that we thought they would be. There's a lot of times, like we talked about earlier, they don't want to know. And for us, you know, yeah. we're trying to create visibility. And when you have somebody that is holding themselves to a standard, but their standard is more as long as I'm above the line or below the line, whatever that is in terms of temperature or standards, that's, that's okay. That's something that's always surprising. And, and sometimes you understand there's cost, but it's, you know, you don't, you got to kind of want to always get better. And I don't always see the people we're talking to want to get better. They just are, trying to cut a lot of corners that's what's interesting to me I, I would echo that i mean i think we do the same thing just slightly differently and i mean i think that that has been surprising to me like i when i created this so i created this my platform at quiznos i worked at quiznos i was in the ops part department long story short they fired everybody we were starting to come down the the slope that uh that we had just crested five thousand locations and we were coming down and uh, they they were starting to fire everybody at uh, the corporate office, which was like very commonplace. There was always restructuring, you know. And um, they came to me and they said, hey, you got to report on all these audits, right? And I'm like, well, I'm not entering them into an Excel. We got to figure this out. Like, that's where this whole thing came from. And, um, and what ended up happening was, is that like when you, it was one of those things where like, so that's where the idea for my platform came from. And then we rebuilt it a couple of years later, blah, 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 blah. But it's always funny because when you talk to people that are outside the industry or people who, you know, they'll look at you and they go, obviously these guys would want to do that. There's zero reason why you would not do that. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you go, and then you talk to people in the industry and they're like, oh, we don't, you yeah, know, hell no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we can't do that. And it's just like so amazing to me. And I actually put this in a blog the other day, but I was just like, like you should always be aware of somebody in your company who's arguing against the visibility and data. Correct. Like that should just be a red flag that that is not the right person for the role you're in and the right, and the right person for this time of, of the world, right? They might've been the right person in 2000 or 1985. They are not the right person today because, because I mean, you know, one, it's one big screw up can really hurt you. Sure. So on that front, a uh, little, little segue story. Uh, I was talking to a friend that I've known for a long time. She was asking me 
kind of what we're doing, particularly in the restaurant space. And she's in China. And I was telling her about, you know, how this works and how you could uh, help support food safety and, and uh, better meat, uh, increasing food safety regulation requirements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what came back was, that's great, but we don't have those things here in China. And it was kind of like, oh, <laughs> so even though we're talking about a lot of room to get better and proactive here in the U.S. and Canada, uh, feel comfortable yeah. that at least we have something. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's also be very honest with ourselves. Like I can complain about people not wanting to be proactive in data all day long, but our supply chain is amazeballs. And they do a great job of really trying to limit your potential for foodborne illness in the supply chain because they could control yep. that. So I don't want to complain that every restaurant's unsafe and you shouldn't eat there because that's not the case. Um, and in most fast food restaurants, literally all you're doing is storing things cold and then heating them up to 165 and then you're done. So like, I, I don't want us to, you know, yes, are a lot of people having gastrointestinal distress when they eat certain foods? Yes. Are we killing a hundred million people a year because the coolers aren't right? No. And uh, a lot of restaurant chains have really done a good job of, you know, uh, controlling food safety up the chain. And that really at the, at the place where the food's delivered, people are just kind of, you know, reassembling or just getting stuff heated up really quickly. So it's not like, um, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not killing a hundred million people and, you know, we're, you know, we don't have like crazy markets and a lot of other stuff. So, I mean, it is what it is, but just in general, I think for the industry to be successful and for people to make a lot of money and for people to view this as a career, right. Uh, and also for the independence to make a profit, you know, I think the one thing coronavirus did teach us is you got to be on the cutting edge of technology and you've got to be adopting that stuff very quickly because if you hadn't for instance adopted delivery prior to coronavirus you could have you you know a lot of those guys didn't make it out you know what i mean they just couldn't even get anybody to install it for them you know what i mean because yep. it was sure too yep. busy so absolutely so yeah um okay we're at the war story part of this deal you guys got a crazy story, like one of your clients had, you know, name names, obviously, but like one of those psycho stories that like will make us all cringe or laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, without naming names. I think that's. Uh... Yeah, don't name names. <laughs> Why don't you. Uh... I'm trying to I'm trying to think well, of one. Go I'll, ahead. I'll tell him one. I'll tell him one. So we were in a. A national chain that uh, uh, we won't talk about names, and and we went through the, the the pilot stage, gathered the information, and sat down and presented it, and and uh, we ran smack dab into the yeah, but I don't really want to know, and it was like oh wait 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 the the data says there's a big gap in your food safety program right here, and and we can help you through the data to proactively fix these problems. And the response that came back was pretty much a, I don't think I want to know. And wow, <laughs> that was the, that was the first time I'd run into with, with a, with a, you know, with a large uh, franchised uh, operator 
that much of a head in the sand approach. And I was just dumbfounded with, uh, really? You're, oh, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do with how to move forward because the data just said, there, a, a, this wasn't good, and B, these are the things that we could do to, to put you in gear and, and preserve the integrity of your brand name. Uh, but the response that came back was pretty consistently, thank you very much, I really don't want to know. And it's like, wow. And you know that those restaurants are just dirty. Because that's not that, that attitude's at the top. It's flowing downward. Yeah, it right? permeates. It's not it permeates. It's not the guys at the bottom going, man. I can't keep this place clean enough. I can't believe Bob doesn't want to know about the temperatures. You know. Um, uh. Well, I mean the the flip side, and I and this one I I will I probably can name a name, but a new a new fashionable burger chain from the get go. Everything is monitored proactively, real time. It's like, wow, if I'm going to take my family out for a, a, a deluxe burger uh, chain, that's where we're going to go because they're doing it right from day one. And it's all proactive. I was just very impressed with uh, how they'd set it up. So, you know, there are some that are proactive, positive in the game and see the win-win value of food safety. And there are some that just would, they're just that dumb and happy that they keep passing and I was yeah. just dumbfounded to find that. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 it it, it, and it seems like no, uh, no. the newer restaurants are much easier yep. to yep. adapt. It's the older legacy sites are, you know, more like a cruise ship and hard to turn around. Yeah. yeah. I, and I call those guys the dinosaur operators, right? Like they just, uh, it, it, you know, we just keep doing what we've always done. Yeah, just we can't, you know, there's and and I find too, and I and I, I wrote this recently in a blog, but like I was just like I find that what's really interesting about some of these guys that that are making these decisions is and is just like it, they're never gonna say it's a bad idea. They're just gonna say it's it's just, you know, it's not a priority right now, or we can't put any more on the restaurants. That's another thing I hear a lot. Like we just can't put any more burden on the restaurants. So no, especially and, not pre and, or post COVID. It's really tough to, oh, yeah. to talk about an expense right now, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, once again, the restaurant industry made up for the lack of technology and visibility by really securing the food chain, the supply chain, and by really simplifying processes so that, you know, like at a Taco Bell, you take a bag of meat and you throw it in this thing called a rethermalizer and it's 210 degree boiling water and you throw a frozen bag of meat in there and it's 30 minutes later, it's, you know, proper temp. And it's so, you know, you've never touched the meat. You didn't cook it raw. It was made in a, you know, a USDA monitored facility and it's in a bag and you literally fold the bag over on your thermometer and whatever 165 you rip it and put it in the thing like when you have a system like that there is not as much food safety issues um so i get it i get in that level of that restaurant right but like you know at the same time i, I you know i go back and forth i mean it's it's tough you know um because you just were like man how do you not want to know this right <laughs> The the other thing you know that we fo- yeah we found was really interesting is in the food shipping industry a lot of these food shipping companies they have a, a red or green logger 
in the truck that says yeah. good or bad, but it doesn't really tell them if it's going bad and how to save it. If you're driving from Albuquerque to Denver, it doesn't yep. say pull off here because you're going to have a problem. It, you know, the trucker ends up in Denver and the foods, if, it, if the lager is red, everything gets thrown out. So there's a lot yeah. of uh, inefficiency that could save an awful lot of money if it was just more advanced. And that's, that's the other thing that's really surprised us along the way is some of it is very antiquated. And that's where we find there's, there's a lot of opportunity to help people really save money by being proactive. Yeah. And, and it is a nuanced thing because let's be honest, the, the food was at 42 degrees for like 35 minutes. That's not horrible. You know what I mean? You can get that food back down to 40 degrees in less than an hour and you still would be considered safe at that point. Right. Potentially um, yeah. depending on, you know, other parts of the supply chain, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. But I think like, you know, it, it, it is, uh, I think we're, we're in a really interesting time because, you know, post COVID people, we have like so much going on right now and people are really, I think people are like, I think COVID gave people also an opportunity to look at their systems and I heard this today from one of our clients. He's like, we, we are post-COVID redoing our inventory system and our POS because we had a little breathing space to look at some of these things and how they were affecting us. And so, I, you know, they're going, hey, we know we need to have better technology in these areas and we're going for it. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's cool. Well, guys, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show today. Uh, I will put the link to uh, Zito America on the website. Is there anything you want to plug real quick? Yay! No. Uh, uh, the biggest thing for us is if uh, any of your listeners are interested in talking or learning more, our uh, analysis and our, our pilot programs will help us get some visibility on your restaurants and uh, – We'd love to have some more conversations. Yeah, thank you much for having us, Tommy. Oh, thank you guys so much. And um, so we'll put the link out there on on the page, uh, on the show notes, so people can click on it and go check it out. And if you've ever been considering uh, doing IoT or it's one of those things you thought about, you owe yourself the, the half hour to have the call with these guys because um, they offer quite a few uh, services that the other guys aren't offering. And the big thing is they're going to help you get it installed. I think I believe that's true, right? You guys will help them get it installed. Uh, the DIY approach is really tough. Installation is <laughs> one thing, but yeah. it's the soft configuration that's the hard part, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to take care of that for you guys, and uh, that that's a huge benefit because if you don't get things configured correctly at the beginning. It's just a waste of everyone's time and money. But when you get things configured correctly at the beginning, everything works the way it's supposed to. And it actually, you start to see that ROI. So, guys, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, Brendan and Jeff, we'll talk to you all soon, okay? Thanks for having us. Thank you. I actually hung up the phone instead of hitting stop recording. 